The Late Seating Podcast is brought to you by The Finch Files, stories from San Francisco and beyond. In The Finch Files, longtime radio reporter Peter Finch and his friends hit the streets of the San Francisco Bay Area looking for interesting stories to tell. The Finch Files is available on the internet as a podcast. Just go to finchfiles.net and voila, you're there. Or you could go to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Mixcloud and search for Peter Finch. The Finch Files, stories from San Francisco and beyond. Another podcast that we'd like you guys to check out is The Tiny Show, the show about nothing and everything at the same time, with three grown men, Doug, Pet, and Tyler, saying, I am Batman more than the Dark Knight himself. It's a comedy show to help you relax on the way to work or the drive home. You can find The Tiny Show on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash the-tiny-show. Or just go to SoundCloud and search for The Tiny Show. Hello and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I am Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic film and we give it a fresh review to see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And you know what, Steve? I have one question to ask you before we begin. What question is that, Jason? Are you ready to go back to Titanic? Uh, Are you ready to go back to Titanic? That's right. This time around, we're going to take that modern classic, because it's almost 20 years old. We're going to look at James Cameron's hobby put-to-film, Titanic. (laughs) Oh, boy. If you haven't been able to guess yet, no, I won't give it away. You know what? I've been giving away my review way beforehand. (laughs) Make him wait for it. So here's what I'm going to... No, I'm going to... Here's what I'm going to say. I love it. I love this movie. I, I I dream about being Jack, or sometimes Rose, on the Titanic with all the rich people, or maybe sometimes the cleanest, dirty peasant people down below decks. You mean the you can't the, peg the, me the happy peasant people who dance merry Everyone jigs? Thinks, and... Yeah, people think I'm the guy who hates everything. Well, I'm I'm gonna I I'm lying right now, Steve. Oh, you didn't really like the movie. No, but I don't want to tell them that, because then they'll stop listening. Well, we should probably keep whispering then when we talk about our true feelings for the movie. Perfect! Awesome. Okay, so the movie came out in November... Oh, no, December 1997 in the United States, and it was directed, produced, and written by James Cameron, the guy who brought us other epic romances like Terminator 2. And Terminator. And Piranha, the return. Was, which one? He did Piranha 2, didn't he? Yeah, he wrote I think that so, one. Yeah. And also True Lies, which I guess is kind of a romance. And The Abyss, which also kind of has romantic elements in it. And after this, he'd take a long time off and then make another movie that I don't like. I mean, um, <laughs> that you like. Avatar! <laughs> yeah, that I like. I don't really like it, Steve. Okay. This whispering thing really helps out a lot. We mustn't tell them the truth. 
Never. <laughs> anyway, um, it stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Kate Winslet, Billy Zane with his best wig ever. <laughs> totally. Kathy Bates, Francis Fisher, Bernard Hill, Jonathan Hyde, Danny Nucci, David Warner, always a favorite and only nice thing in this movie. There's my review. <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. Steve's favorite and probably the man who will portray him in the movie version of the Late Seating Podcast, Bill Paxton uh, yes. and Gloria Stewart. Music by James Horner. Cinematography by Russell Carpenter. Edited by Conrad Buff. God damn it. James Cameron again and Richard A. Harris, not to be confused with the drunk Irish actor. Produced by 20th Century Fox and Paramount Pictures and Lightstorm Entertainment and distributed by 20th Century Fox um, internationally and Paramount Pictures in North America. It runs uh, 195 minutes. It hurts even to say, doesn't it? And they go by really fast. I'm doing that thing again where I'm lying. The fastest 195 minutes ever. You'll be like, what, what happened to this movie? I thought I thought this movie was supposed to be long. It's over already. <laughs> That's it, you'll say? Mm-hmm. Its budget was $200 million, making it one of the most expensive films ever at the time. But no worries, because Titanic has grossed... Two point one eight seven billion dollars, and it deserves every penny of it, right, Steve? Uh, yes, of course. It's a wonderful, crowd-pleasing film, an epic romance of of you know cinematic stuff. No, Steve, this was a movie about the upper classes not liking the lower classes. That's what this movie oh, was about, right? Yes. Oh, and wasn't oh it... no, it was about human hubris. Wasn't it about also about the oppression of women? Oh, yeah, there was some of that thrown in there, too. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? Okay, yeah, it's all that stuff rolled up in one gigantic goddamn burrito that Cameron expects to shove down your throat and you're going to like it. You're going to like every bite of it, especially if you're a teenage girl or a man who's never experienced emotions before. <laughs> um, ladies and gentlemen, full disclosure here, um, I have a toothache pretty bad one actually it feels like it's shooting straight up through my head and kind of like hanging out right above my head right now so if i seem a little more angry than i usually am <laughs> that may be the reason why because i just watched 195 minutes with a toothache and you folks listening, if you want to play maybe a fun game with yourselves to make the podcast a little more interesting try to guess as the podcast goes on, if Jason is angry because of his toothache or because he's remembering the film. It'll be a fun yes, little game. please. A game with my pain. That's awesome. <laughs> you know what? I'm renaming the goddamn podcast since I haven't liked anything we've reviewed. Uh, we're just going to call it a game with my pain. That'll be great. So, um, enough of this rigmarole. Uh, yeah. uh, I was going to go into the whole background and all this other crap, but we can get into it when we're detailing this plot, Steve. Yes. So, are you ready to do the plot summary? Yeah, I thought you were going to ask if of... I was ready to go back to Titanic. I already did that. 
Yeah. Are you ready to let's, do it? Let's, you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it, man. Okay. Two people fall in love, boat sinks the end. Anyway, <laughs> that was great. Why did I grade everybody? <laughs> That's all you need. Alright, I I guess we got We should for real though. Alright. The movie opens with a bunch of fake old-timey photographs of Titanic. Yeah. And we know they're old-timey because they're in sepia. Because we're dumb. And and it's all, you all we also get some, some film, some video or whatever, and it's in slow motion. Because oh, that's right, slow motion. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's how you want to begin a three-and-a-quarter-hour movie. With slow motion for the credits. But it won't be the the only time we get slow motion. No we hurry. get it a couple other times yes, too. Yes, that's true. We also get fifteen minutes of just fucking around the boat, showing stuff. We get lots of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the but, the the uh, guiding principle of James Cameron for this film was, hey, what's the rush? Mm-hmm. Let's just take. Why waste time. time with involved complex characters or actually deciding on what kind of story I'm going to tell? Instead, I'm just going to crawl my camera all over this boat like I want to have sex with it. <laughs> and by the time I'm done, you're going to want to have sex with this boat too. This movie should have been called James Cameron has sex with a boat that he made up. <laughs> we haven't even gotten out of the credits yet. <laughs> anyway, then we we cut to the to the future to the present. <laughs> Well, now the past, but yes, then the present. Right. Yes. Where a bunch of treasure hunters are going down in their submersibles in their submarines to go look at the actual Titanic. And for those people who don't know, this is the entire reason this movie exists. (laughs) James Cameron wanted someone else to foot the bill so he could go jack off in front of the Titanic. (laughs) So that's how he pitched it. He was like, hey, I need money so I can get into a submersible and go down and stare at the Titanic. Oh, yeah, and maybe take some B-reel footage that I'll barely use in the movie. And also um, to use as reference... And he actually conned producers into giving him that money so he could go do that. It is not... The, okay, I'm not just making that up. This yeah. is literally what he did. It is well known that that's what he wanted to do. He had no plot. He had no story. All he knew was was that he wanted to do a movie about Titanic, and he wanted to get into a submarine and go down and look at the real Titanic. Oh, and by the way, while he was down there, he had such respect for the Titanic, he accidentally drove one of the submarines into it damaging the Titanic, exposing the captain's cabin, and damaging one of the submersibles as well. So, Boy, talk uh, about, good word. Talk, good work, James. Talk about kicking someone when they're down. You damage the Titanic when it's at the bottom of the sea. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. this treasure hunter, this blonde, earringed treasure hunter, named, is... named Brock Lovett. <laughs> that, is, Brock that is the Lovett. character's name. I swear to God, Brock Lovett. <laughs> Is played so convincingly mm. by uh, Bill Paxton. Yes. Yeah, he loses himself my, in that role. I don't know what I found more authentic, his insipid <laughs> smile or his flat, expressionless voice. Yeah, or his dead delivery as he spouted lines that he I don't even think... At this point, I wouldn't. you couldn't convince me that he knew what English was. <laughs> it was like he was delivering lines that he memorized by sound. Anyway, it's him, and of course, here's the trope. Now, every once in a while, I'll come across a trope that I really, really, really want to go away. And here is the trope that I really, really want to go away. Not the lead scientist, 
But the scientist's sidekick, mm, yeah. who is fat and bearded and socially maladjusted to a certain point where they're rude but they don't intend to be rude and they say the things that you know who that person is i'm going to tell you why i don't like this trope you know who that person is you know who it is who is it while the scientist dude the lead scientist dude is being all smart and saying things you know who that person is that's supposed to be you audience that's the person that says the thing after the dude says the thing that then you get it and you're like oh see i identify with that fat sloppy socially maladjusted dude and that's why i'm tired of that trope dude that's what the director thinks of you that's right (laughs) he's like we gotta stick an idiot next to the smart guy or the people won't understand what's going on (sighs) <sighs> anyway, yeah, so Bill Paxton has one of those guys, and I didn't bother to memorize his name. I didn't bother to note because I got so annoyed at the yeah. trope and forgot that that trope was even in this movie. I just refer to him, as, I saw him. I just refer to him as Harry Knowles because that's who he reminds me of, the <laughs> fucking guy from Ain't It Cool News. I wish it was Harry Knowles. Wow, everything here is so awesome! <laughs> I give a thumbs up to everything! Anyway, that's not a commentary on... Uh, Harry Knowles at all. He's, a, he's, cool he's a very fine film critic. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you've got some money or or geek stuff to slip into his sizable back pocket, you're you're guaranteed a great review. He's nice. that's right. We're burning our bridges he, even before we get to him. He's a he's a man of pure integrity now come on somewhere harry knows is like i was gonna give these guys a job but fuck them <laughs> now i'm gonna cry and eat ice cream again <laughs> anyway how dare they become the millionth people to make fun of me <laughs> anyway, anyway we're lashing out at everybody they, they, this has to stop yeah they they because we're so angry because of this movie i mean we're so happy because of how we loved this film. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, they get down there and they get the submersibles there and they're like, release the little probe. And they release this little probe and they... they Basically, this is James Cameron fucking the, the corpse of the Titanic. Yeah. It's literally his robot penis going into the Titanic and looking around. I, I know that this may you may be like, oh, Jason, how uncouth. Fuck couth. I'm angry and I hated this movie. I'm not playing anymore, Steve. This is literally James Cameron going, I'm going to go in to the Titanic and I'm going to probe inside of it. <laughs> do, anyway. Do you think when the submersibles came back up that he licked them? Yes. He's like, I want to be alone with the submersible for a little while. What did you see? Was it magical? What did it feel like inside of it? (laughs) This was just inside the Titanic. We're never finishing this. It's 195 minutes. It's not our fault. (laughs) The movie itself takes an hour to get going. They go in and they're looking around and they're like, oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at over here. And then they find oh, a safe. And everyone gets all excited and they grab the safe somehow and they get it up to the surface and they open it up and it's they, they're videotaping it because I guess he's doing a documentary at the same time. Which, by the way, you haven't lived until you heard Bill Paxton doing documentary um, dialogue while filming. Because, you know, yeah. that's how they do it. That's <laughs> how they make documentaries, James Cameron. That's how they 
do it. Filming himself. They actually holding do the camera. The over, yeah. Holding the camera. Holding himself. the camera. They overdub everything they're fucking saying while they're filming it. That's how it's done. Oh my god! I just. They don't hire someone like to come in afterwards and do a line reading because they wrote a goddamn script. No, they 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 say the lines <laughs> into their camcorders yes. and then they put it out there like it's that. It's all improv in the moment. <laughs> anyway, they open the safe. And there's nothing in there but muddy water and garbage. Yeah, yeah, you didn't know that. But they had every single actor during this for the Civil War, Ken Burns' epic nine-part miniseries. Every single one of them was in run one room, <laughs> all reading their lines into a camcorder while someone was filming all the photographs for that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's how you make a documentary, apparently. Yeah, Morgan Freeman was really there. Like... <laughs> now you're going to move the camera now? <laughs> We picked that up on the mic. God oh, damn it. shit. You can't edit this? <laughs> no, we're doing it live. We're filming right now. That's idiotic. <laughs> that makes no sense at all. I hope in the future I don't have to go down to the Antarctic and talk into a camera while filming a bunch of <laughs> he penguins. Was really, he was really there. <laughs> Can we get this in the next take? My balls are freezing off. <laughs> We're, we're, anyway, uh, our review is digressing worse than the movie. Because <laughs> we don't want to face it's, it. Yeah, we don't want to look true. it in the face. It's a defense mechanism. Anyway, they open up the safe, and everyone's like, oh, oh they're going to find stuff. And he's taking out crap, and he's looking in there, and they didn't find what they were looking for. And Bill Paxton's all upset, and everyone's upset. But what was he looking for that was so important, and not this bundle of papers and stuff, and goop, and mud? Well, apparently he was looking for... The heart, <laughs> I can't even say it, it's so badly named. The heart of the ocean, which is a big fucking blue diamond that's on a necklace. And apparently they thought it was supposed to be on Titanic, and they got all these ships and everything together. And it wasn't just for exploratory reasons or to make a documentary, but it was to find this priceless, made-up goddamn necklace and it wasn't there, and Bill Paxton is heartbroken. And it's about at this point that you're probably like, I thought this was an old-timey movie about Titanic, not about a bunch of jerk-offs looking for for stuff that they can't find. Oh, no, we're getting there. <laughs> it just takes a little while. James Cameron's anyway, already got your money, and he don't care. They're cleaning up stuff, and they open up the this leather-bound book, and um, they take out these papers, which defy elements... <laughs> They've been sitting in fucking salt water for 84 goddamn years, and they don't fall apart as soon as they're like, hey, look at this, and they're washing off this this paper, and, oh, it's a naked lady. And they're like, look, porn. And he's like, I don't care about porn, I want my jewel. And they're like, but look what she's wearing in this drawing. Oh, next to the boobage. You know, right next to those boobs? That's that's the necklace we were looking for. And he's like, hokey smokes, you're right. What 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 the hell am I supposed to do with this? What 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 am I supposed to do? This doesn't do anything. This doesn't get us any closer. This is just a drawing of something. I'm sorry, that's me. Anyway, <laughs> um, oh by the way, pervs, that famous drawing of Rose, James Cameron drew it. That's all. All of the drawing in here is James Cameron drew, drew it. James Cameron drew. What's her face? He probably got her like, yeah, I got to draw the drawing, so take your fucking top yeah. off. Take your top off. He gave her the same line of bullshit that George Lucas gave Carrie Fisher to get her to 
go commando. While he's drawing her, he's like, can you make noises like a sunken ship, please, Kate Winslet? And she's like, what? (laughs) I can't finish if you don't make sounds like a sunken ship. Just some gurgling or something. No, stay there while I get into the submersible. (laughs) Clink, clink. Clank. <laughs> what? Well, at least you can't touch me. Yeah, the robotic arms come little, alive. Metal pincher comes reaching out. <laughs> anyway, <sighs> I guess then we cut to the spryest 101-year-old woman ever. She's uh, making a pot on a potter's wheel and she hears this story over the TV and she comes out and she's looking at the TV and apparently some news crew decided that these jerks out in the ocean um, <laughs> fucking around Titanic <laughs> looking for for something and he's like yeah but we didn't find anything all we found is this fucking porn <laughs> and they pan the camera over and I would like to remind you that even in 1996 even though it's a drawing they would still edit out the boobs. Yeah. They would still edit out the boobs. Didn't for this, but they would edit out the boobs in real life. But since we're not in real life, we're in Cameronverse. <laughs> they don't. And we see, and she looks and she's like, oh, holy shit. She didn't say holy shit. She said, uh, well, God damn it. Yeah. No, they, that's Wilford Brimley. She said, um, my stars and garters? No, she said... <laughs> Blow me down. Yeah. Fine, I'll go with that. Well, blow me down. Son of a bitch. Yeah, and then uh, we cut back to the ocean, and Bill Paxton, yeah, someone's like, you got a phone call. And he's like, wow. And he's like, got to talk loud because it's an old woman. And he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> and it's that trope again where it's like, you'll want to take this call. Yeah. I won't tell you why, but trust uh-huh. me. That never in every movie it's always the same thing. You're gonna want to take this, and the person's always like, "Yeah, right." And then it turns out they were right. They do want to take it anyway. Good thing I took the call. It's the old woman, and he's like, "Oh, how do you know who the woman in the drawing is?" I'm sure, like, and she's like, "Cause it's me." And he's like, "Well, that's proof enough for me. We're gonna fly you all the way out to the fucking ship. We're gonna fly a hundred and one year old woman out to the middle of the Atlantic. That's a great <laughs> plan. A, We're gonna fly you a all the way out here to the Arctic." Because, so she because the only way with, they could possibly get her story is if she's actually on the ship. You realize that, of course. Yes. So she arrives with a million suitcases and a dog and her granddaughter. And he's like, they're like, we don't believe you. And she's like, oh, I changed my name because um, you said you were this person. That person died on the Titanic. She said, no. I changed my name when I got to the United States and I became an actress and then I married some dude and I moved to Akron. Was it Akron? <laughs> yeah, something like that. I mean, it was Akron. Where all the actors retire to, eventually. And they're like, there's nothing on the manifest if you say who you say you are. And she's like, I am who I am. Say I am. And then they're like, okay, come in here, old lady. We're going to show you a bunch of shit. And they show her a bunch, like a mirror and a, like a head thing, like a thing you stick in your right, hair. Yeah. And she's all like, oh. Look at this. And by the way, I know that I'm I'm really heaping it on on the old woman. She's one of the only performances that I enjoy out of this entire goddamn movie. Oh, I agree. I'm literally there are very few performances in this movie that I actually enjoy and she's been given the same dialogue as everybody else. 
She's been yeah. she's in the same movie as everybody else, but she adds a level of class and a level of professionalism that is sorely lacking in just about everybody else. And um I really wish it was just her. The whole movie was just about her. <laughs> just her in a black but... room telling us the story. <laughs> nope. <laughs> She's like, this is all my stuff, and oh, I'm getting upset. So then we cut to a scene where, remember the sidekick, the jerk sidekick? The one that the, the, the one that that is us in the movie? Remember him? He now gets to insensitively tell someone who survived a horrific tragedy what happened. Like she wasn't there. <laughs> like he's going to show her... Like, she wasn't there, but she was there, so why is he bothering to show her? He's like, well, then the iceberg crushed across. He's like, yes, I was on deck smooching smooching my boyfriend when that happened. And then the lower half started to sink. Yes, Mm -hmm. I remember that well. I heard the screams of the dying. Why are you showing me this? Oh, because there's about a billion people right behind you? Who, who don't know what's going on, and they need to know. Yeah, because they're not going to see oh. it unfold over the next two and a they're half not, hours. Yeah. You're not, we're not going to see it happen. We need to have the entire movie ruined before we even get to Just it. Just in case you don't know what happens, the movie spoil- it contains its so, own spoilers. Right. So she gets upset, and then she, and then we, we're gonna we're gonna go back. We're going to go back in time through the power of flashback. That's right. Almost this whole movie is a fucking flashback. Because she narrates it throughout. She narrates everything. She uselessly narrates this entire movie. Telling us things that we either we could pick up on our own or we don't need to know. But, you know, that's just the movie telling us how to feel and think. <laughs> and you know how much I love it when movies tell me how to feel and think. That's the mark of sophisticated filmmaking. <laughs> anyway, we're in Southampton, England. Dateline, Southampton, England. Notable swells and monkey mucks are getting on board the Titanic. Nothing can destroy this ship. Nothing at all. Not even God himself. Hurl your lightning bolts, mighty Zeus. Nothing can destroy the Titanic. It stands up before creation and says, look at my dick. This is just... That's not in the movie either. It but might as well that's be. that's me. I mean, this this is the... From the moment we actually go back in time to the, 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 the Titanic, we are bombarded... Yeah ceaselessly with the most heavy-handed uh, foreshadowing. It's like it's like uh, old-timey cars and people and stuff and this is where we meet Rose Young. Young Rose. We met old Rose. The interesting Rose? We met her. Fuck her. This isn't about her. This is about young Rose. The one with the boobs. The one with the hair and she's all dressed up and she's looking nice and she gets out of her car and she's got a fiance played played by Billy Zane's wig and he's got a manservant um, who is one of my favorite actors of all time, David Warner, who is adding, once again, a little bit of class to these otherwise yeah, horrible proceedings. Doing the best he can. Doing the best he can with what he's got, and guess what? He does, because yeah. he's used to it, because he's made a lot of shit. <laughs> he's made tons of it. Yep. And her mother, um, whose name I don't bother to remember, and apparently they went to Europe to find a husband? Was that it? Yeah, because there's... Because they're broke. Yeah, they're... they're, they're 
they're still giving the appearance of being wealthy, but they're actually like they're out of money and they're not going to go yeah. get jobs. <laughs> now, here's the weird thing. The reverse of that was happening. People in England, people lower, people who had estates in England were marrying into rich American families right. to keep their estates afloat. But it wasn't really happening in the reverse. You didn't have a whole lot of people leaving the United States looking for money in Europe. Well, doesn't matter anyway, because apparently she's marrying an American. Yeah, I was just going to say, if it, it, the whole thing feels like just a huge sloppy plot contrivance just to yep, get... To so, keep the core cast American. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Don't worry, they flesh out almost all the other characters are British or Italian or whatever. So it's okay that all of our all of our uh, protagonists are white and American. American. Right? Yeah. Well, come on. Now, are, anyway. Do you expect us to be interested in a movie that isn't about white American people? I mean, really. I'm not. I've I've lost I yeah. What? <laughs> come on. Anyway, she's there, and she's got all this stuff, and they get on board the ship. Meanwhile, in a nearby bar, um, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Jack, he's playing poker with a bunch of Swedish people. And uh, right before he shows his hand, he delivers a line, and he does this a few times in the movie, where it foretells or is kind of ironic, where he's like... Get ready for your whole life to change. And I'm like, whoa. You wrote that and put it in a script and then shot it, edited it, and put it into a movie that you showed to people? You made it into the movie. Anyway, he's like, you ready for your life to change? Because now I have to write a bunch of lines to support what I just said. And it's... it's Okay, here's, here's the first problem I have. We're introduced to Jack, Okay. Jack apparently is a world traveler. He's been traveling around uh, uh, Paris and uh, a bunch of other places. And he's an artist and uh, he's been living somehow. I don't know how. Um, He's supposed to be 20 in the movie. Leonardo DiCaprio was 22 when he made the movie. He looks like he's maybe 13? (laughs) Maybe 14? Yeah. So there's the one thing. He can't really be... A, I, it's hard for me to believe that in the, in, as far as the plot line of the movie is concerned, that at 20, he's this knowledgeable man about town. Yeah. He knows but, pretty much you know, everything. Whatever. Oh, and by the way, Rose? Rose is 17. She's 17 years. Now, I know the laws were different back in the old days, but if this was taking place now... That's uh, a, a relationship between a 20-year-old and a 17-year-old is sometimes frowned upon. Was, Just a little bit. It was a different time. What the... What it was ever. a different age. If it was a different age and a different time, then why am I even watching the movie? <laughs> yeah. Modernize it. <laughs> anyway, so him and his friend Fabrizio? Yeah. What's For, his yeah, name? Yeah, Fabrizio. Is it for, Fabrizio, don't get used to him. A giant smokestack kills him at the end of the movie. (gasps) Fuck him. I don't care. Oh, no, we lost Fabrizio. (laughs) Who cares? We never invested anything into him other than, I'm a longer foot of the ride and also an incredible accent. (laughs) Mamma mia. He literally says things like, Bastardo. Here come the smokestack. Hey, pizza linguine. Is he wait? Is he Spanish or is I he Italian? I think he's Italian. He's supposed to be Italian. Fabrizio, yeah, that's Italian. Hey, Fabrizio. <laughs> anyway, he wins tickets off the Swedes. 
I guess that was his plan <laughs> yes. to win tickets off of someone. And he's like, woohoo, I'm going home. And him and Fabrizio get onto the boat and they're down in steerage. Like the peasants, they're su- that like that's where that's where the peasants go yeah. down in steerage. Meanwhile, the rich people are all going up the gangplanks, up in sunlit and all that other stuff because metaphor. And uh, they get on board the boat, and then uh, Rose meets everyone important that's involved with the boat. <laughs> she, her and her mother sit at the Titanic historical. Oh wait, you know table. what? I take it back. I take it back. We don't do that. We have to take fifteen minutes. For the boat to leave. Oh, that's right. You get the beauty shots of to get the, the beauty Titanic shots of the model and, and the, dog, yeah, yeah. the this early CGI that doesn't hold up or any of the other stuff. And for uh, Leonardo DiCaprio to run to the front of the ship and have his moment. And if you say the goddamn line, I will blow my brains I out. Promise. I can't. I fast forwarded over it because wow. I didn't want to hear it again. <laughs> anyway, well, you so all we know spend, what line it was. Yes, we know what line it is. Everyone knows what line it is. And if you don't know what line it is, I'm not going to recommend you go see the movie just to find out. <laughs> if you don't know the line, then you've clearly Here. made it this long without seeing the movie. I'll give so you I a hint. Go to, look, go to YouTube and look up James Cameron acceptance speech. Oh, yeah. And then you'll get the goddamn line. And now I had to bring that up and it's filling me with more <laughs> anger than I could possibly stand. <laughs> So um, so we have lots of shots of the ship that and swelling music yes. and James Horner getting his James Horner juice all over the place. and then <laughs> It is established without a doubt that it is a boat mm-hmm. that is on the ocean. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have... Uh, now, there are a couple of things I did appreciate. The engine, the engine room, oh, yeah. I think, is a practical set. And that is a, an impressive practical set. Because when I saw that engine room with all the pistons running in the steam, especially the pistons, I was like, how is that not just chewing up people left and right? (laughs) That thing looks more dangerous than I could comprehend. Um, So there are a few set pieces on here that I, from a a technical aspect, this movie is great. Definitely. But, uh, yeah. Um, Anyway, so then we get to Rose meeting the guy who built the ship, the guy who funded, owns the ship, uh, the captain... (laughs) Uh, the most famous person that was on the ship, which is Molly Dodd. Don't worry if you get all confused because she, old Rose is narrating the whole thing because you need that because you can't write, you know, just relationships between people or we can't figure it out on our own. We need to have this internal monologue running all the time. Anyway, they get to their stateroom and Rose is, we find out that Rose really likes art. And boy, does she have a good eye because she's picked out classic paintings from all of the masters of Impressionism and a Pablo Picasso, who I don't think was painting in that style <laughs> quite yet. And we get yet another and, incidence of, of the Billy Zane character's knack for incredibly heavy-handed uh, dramatic irony when he he looks yeah. at the Picasso paintings and he's like, he'll never amount to anything. Mark my words, he'll never amount to anything. Seriously, get I'm it? telling you, he will never amount to anything. Get it? Do you get it? Because he becomes so famous. I promise you, Pablo he won't Picasso? be a famous painter. That's what I'm saying. Get it, stupid audience? Picasso, he won't be famous. Okay. Now, let's go throw those paintings over next to the uh, Lou Gehrig rookie card. (laughs) 
<laughs> Let's go get dinner. Uh, and when the mother's there, and she's, and then they go to dinner, and oh wait, or something like that, and with the guy who owns the ship, and she tries to smoke, and everyone's like, "Ladies, don't smoke," and you need to obey, and all this other stuff, and she's bristling a little yeah. bit, and whatever. And then we cut to some crap DiCaprio stuff, and then we cut to <laughs> crew members going, hey, or the owner going, hey, I want you to go faster. And the captain's like, I don't think that's a good idea. And he's like, go faster. <laughs> and he's like, okay, fine. Yeah. And then we cut to dinner. Yeah. Where she's at dinner, and she looks miserable. And she feels trapped. And what do you do when you're miserable, rich, and trapped? Well, you do what any young woman does. You don't sit back and consider your options. No, 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 no. That would be something intelligent. That would be something that who we look up to would do. That would be an admirable quality. No, what she does is she runs to the back of the ship and tries to throw herself off the boat. <laughs> her, her reaction is suicide. <laughs> Not, hey, you know what? I'm going to change my identity and hide down and down below decks and just get out of this life and sneak off the boat when we get to, to New York. No. Suicide. But luckily, Jack's up on the deck, uh, probably realizing for the first time, hey, I don't have any money to buy food. <laughs> when he... Yes. he These tickets weren't all notices, inclusive. Right. When he notices that Rose is getting ready to jump off. And just like the smooth, convincing guy he is, he walks up and he convinces her not to jump to her to her death. Because he's like, you know, that water down there is so cold. When you hit it, it's like a million icy knives hitting your body. And it hurts a lot. And you'll freeze to death and it'll be bad. And I don't want to jump in there either. Now, I want everyone to remember Jack's description of the icy, cold terror water. Because it comes up later in a part where I will probably stop talking and you'll hear me storm away from the microphone. <laughs> but he manages to get her to turn around, not jump off because she climbed over the rail and she's going to jump off. And he he's about to bring her in when, oh, she slips and she's going to fall in. And now she really wants to stay alive for some reason. So he pulls her back up and they flop onto the deck. Now, it was during all the screaming that the other ship people uh, notice <laughs> and they come running up and they see him with his shoes off and a woman's lying on top of him and there was screaming and uh oh they assume that uh the worst <laughs> and uh get your hands off of so her then, you poor person yeah and then we cut to him getting um handcuffs put on and she's got a coat on her and finally, uh, the people that she was having dinner with realized that she was gone, because I guess someone told her that she was outside getting attacked by a masher. <laughs> and they're there, and um, she goes, oh, no, no, um, I slipped. I was trying to look at the propellers, and I slipped, and, and he saved me. Now, why she didn't tell that to the ship people, why she waited until he was in handcuffs and about to be let off, and the other people came running up, the people from her dinner party, she had to wait at least, what, 10, 15 <laughs> yeah. minutes before she opened her goddamn mouth? No, she waited until he was in handcuffs. She probably had a kink. She probably wanted to see the poor boy who she got all excited over in handcuffs. Yeah, that's, that really stoked her engine. 
Probably this whole thing was just to get his attention. The whole suicide attempt. You know what? I think that Old Rose is an unreliable narrator. I think this whole story's fake. I, I think she was like, I want to get me some poor tail. I want that poor boy stuffing my muffin. I'm going to pretend to commit suicide to get his attention. I'm, but I can't do that because... <laughs> that would make it a much more interesting We have to assume movie. that she's telling the truth i liked i personally like to believe i wish that there was an ending to this movie that she walks out and, uh, at the end and instead of oh i'm gonna ruin the ending oh, of the movie no. right here we're not even done but i want it to be revealed that the entire plot was taken from a harlequin romance novel and this woman has been lying through her yes. teeth and she's like ah, she's only 79 years yeah. old she's not 101 <laughs> that's what i want i'm not gonna get it but Anyway, um, so then we cut to the next day, and uh, suicide attempt forgotten. She's over it. <laughs> she's over it. It was just one of those fleeting things. And uh, now she's hanging out with Jack all damn day, and they're having the least convincing conversations ever, <laughs> but with some of the worst dialogue ever written for the screen. Um, and we're supposed to take it that they're getting to know each other and they like each other and you know, it's like budding romance and she looks through his dirty pictures that he drew of a bunch of <laughs> prostitutes from Paris and she's like, these are really good and she literally says it like she's being she, like she is placating him like if, if I don't tell him these are good he's going to have a freak out because they're alright they're not the greatest really in the invested world. in these drawings these are very pedestrian. I can understand why you're going back to Paris, because you were not going to make money off of this, <laughs> Jack. Oh, smile. <laughs> anyway, so apparently um, Billy Zane had offered Jack to have dinner with them in the ritzy titsy suite lounge, whatever it's called, where all the rich people go. And also gave him 20 bucks, so I guess he had money for food. But now he's going to go up to, and eat dinner with the Swells. And, uh, oh, thankfully, Molly Dodd comes along, who is an actual historical the figure. The unsinkable. And she's, yeah, the unsinkable Molly Dodd. Uh, Mo Molly Dodd. Molly right? Brown. Molly, Molly Brown, sorry. Molly Dodd was one of my favorite shows from the 1990s, ladies and gentlemen. and uh, Or 1980s, I'm sorry. Um, I'm old. You're flashing back to, 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 more, to better go love down. things. Yeah, I I'm I don't know where I am anymore. Anyway, she gives him a tuxedo and they fucking go have dinner. And people they insult him to his face and he takes it all with a plum. And you go, Steve, I've been talking. <laughs> I need to I I need to take a drink oh. of my, my coffee. Yeah, well they they're they're all at dinner together and of course, you know, Jack tells the story of how he won his tickets in a poker game and he does Ooh, how low bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh you know like uh cal needs a light for a smoke and jack pulls out his lighter his fucking zippo and like throws it across mm -hmm. the table at him like here you go cal and, you know and then and cal's like <laughs> if i had a mustache i'd oh, twirl it i'll get you for this dawson and then after you'll marry me penny if it's the last <laughs> thing i do and after all that pointless bullshit uh the, the the meal breaks up the men go to smoke cigars while the ladies hang out to sew or something and <laughs> and jack pulls rose aside and he says hey if you want to go to a real party 
meet me by the stairs after this, right? I think he actually slips a note into her hand because he's so cool. Uh, Did he turn into Humphrey Bogart, hey, too? I don't remember hey, that hey, part. Oh, hey, Hey, we're going to go downstairs and have a little party. We're going down the stairage. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it means I'm going to put my dick in <laughs> so, you. What? <laughs> so, um, he, yeah, and he, I, he doesn't, he passes her a little note. And the note, she unfolds it, and the note says, are you up for it? Check yes or no. Uh, and, <laughs> Do you like me? Yes. Check yes or and no. And she checks yes, and she meets him at the staircase, and he takes her down mm-hmm. to third class where his people are. And, of course, yeah. you know, all the poor people are much more happy and full of life and, you know, mm-hmm. real, genuine, sincere people. And they're playing their fucking accordions yeah. and they're dancing. Genuine, sincere, happy people. Not people who are miserable because they're stuck down in steerage where it's cold and there's no sunlight and they're being treated like the third-class citizens they are. They may be poor, but they're happy. They they're happy. Were happy. <laughs> happy. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, so Jack and Rose dance. And they mm-hmm. even have, and Rose begins to drink and gets, you know, a little uh, tipsy and starts yeah. really getting into the party. She, there's, she does a thing where, like, she does plies on, on her tiptoes from ballet just to impress everybody. Yeah. Because everybody else is, like, dancing and doing shit. And she's like, I can do something, too. Look. You know. And they pa- and they mm-hmm. politely applaud when she does that. Um, and they just have a, they just, they have a great old time. They were all like, oh, God, another rich tourist trying yeah. to identify with us. She's going to spend one night with us, and let me guess, it'll change her life. <laughs> <sighs> She's going to become one of the regular people. <laughs> yeah, and, th- and then what happens? The uh, uh, She goes back. I don't well, I, fucking know. <laughs> oh, you know what it is? David Warner finds her, right? David David yes. Warner finds her and he's like, you know, you your 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 fiance would like to see you, you know. And uh and takes her back upstairs to Billy Zane. And mm-hmm. he's like, "Where did you go? You weren't hanging out with that poor guy, <laughs> were you? You don't like him more than me, do you?" Mm-hmm. Because I have a bad streak. Yeah. A really bad streak. <laughs> I gave you a necklace and everything. Yeah. Oh, by the way, he's the one that gives her the necklace. The the the, the heart of the, the ocean. The heart of the ocean. Yes. Actually, isn't that scene right? Isn't this about where that scene is, where he 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 shows it to her? Like the, she's in her stateroom or whatever after hanging out with Jack, and yeah. he's like, "Hey, I got something for you. It's mm-hmm. a big blue diamond. What do you think? Louis the Sixteenth wore it before they chopped off his head, huh? 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, how about that? That's romantic, huh? Right? <laughs> yeah. You're gonna blow me now? Exactly. Pretty no? much. Okay. Well, bye. That's pretty much his modus operandi <laughs> for every scene he has with Rose. He he's he's either <laughs> that's the subtext. He's either begging her for sex or furious at her because he doesn't think she's gonna have sex with him. Mm-hmm. And he's gonna marry her one way or another. Yeah. You you what? What? what they they, they have breakfast. I think the next morning, and he's like, "You are my wife, Rose. In practice, if not in no. law." And you will, you know, <laughs> and you will honor me. And then, like, he throws the table. And <laughs> just so we know that he's a villain. He's not just, like, you know, a bit right. of a dandy or kind of a douchebag. He's, like, evil or incarnate. Or a typical man from that time yeah, period. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're my property now. Yeah, because in all honesty, when she goes running down to Jack, Jack would be go, You're my property yeah, now. Exactly. Which is basically what's happening. Yes. 
Should we get to the nude sketch yet? Um, yeah, what happened? Does anything fucking happen between uh, then and no, the nude sketch? Between uh, breakfast and the nude isn't sketch? Isn't there, there's, there, I know there's a scene, again, speaking of this, the incredibly clumsy foreshadowing, there's a scene where Rose and I think maybe like her mother or Billy Zane are like walking around the deck with uh, the guy who built, who, the guy who built the ship, the Victor Garber character. Oh yeah, and he's kind of like he's kind of like, yeah, this is a death trap, <laughs> yeah. and if anything should happen, half the people on here are gonna yeah. die. Well, bye. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good thing we don't have to worry about that. Hey, guess what? Of all the corners we could have cut, we cut safety. <laughs> oh, time for exactly. tea. Bye. bye. Hope the boat doesn't sink, because half the people are gonna die. Anyway, gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> See, I honestly don't remember. I on I just watched this movie no more than three hours ago. I have no idea what happens up to the point where there's boobs and my attention comes back. Is there anything else that you can no, remember between? There's, well, there's um. Doesn't Jack Jack tries to uh, Jack tries to talk to her a couple times and he's he's cock blocked by David Warner, and then doesn't right. he he pulls her into like a, a, a suspiciously empty room on the ship where like it's where they have a little heart to heart and jack's like hey i'm the one who's really for you that guy you're gonna marry is a dick mm-hmm. you should be you should be with me we've known each other for 24 hours and i know everything that's yeah he you. basically says look let's just go ahead and do the romeo and juliet thing and she's mm-hmm. like uh-huh, no i can't really that worked out well for them didn't <laughs> yeah, it right because she's like um i actually read that book and <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then, but yeah, eventually she comes around. I think doesn't she have another argument? No, oh she no, she has an argument with her mother, right? She's with her mother. Yeah, she, yeah. There's a scene with her and her mother again. One of the trademark subtle uses of metaphor and and explorations <laughs> of theme in this movie. Where first mm-hmm. she's she's having her uh, her corset put on. And her mother comes in mm-hmm. and sort of takes over from the the maid or the the, the lady in waiting or whatever, and is, she's like, "I'll I'll do it," and she's like tightening it up, blasting it up really tight, like doing everything but fucking putting her foot into her back and like pulling the laces. Yeah. And if, mm-hmm. and as if that wasn't heavy enough symbolism, she then even says, basically, "Hey, what are we gonna do? We're women. Everything sucks for us." Which yeah. is what happens, I guess, when a, a well-intentioned but clueless male writer wants to write about <laughs> women's issues. <laughs> He's like, yeah, we'll discuss how well he created a woman at the uh, end of this review. Yeah. But yeah, so and then and so <laughs> she's like, you know, at that point, Rose is like, oh, I'm a I'm <laughs> I'm a white feminist. <laughs> my, <laughs> my life is terrible and I need to get out of this right now. I'm going to run to the poor guy who likes me. <laughs> and she goes because he has a semblance of freedom. And she about goes it. to Jack and she says, "Hey, I made a big life decision like five minutes ago. Um, I'm going to mm-hmm. get off the boat with you when when we land." No, and she says that oh, later. She well, she says that at some. Yeah, point. remember they 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 have to do the nude oh, sketch. Right. So they do they, the nude they sketch. Bond. <laughs> they have to fuck in yeah, a car, they, and they fuck in the a car that was carefully established by James Cameron at the at at the dock. Just so we wouldn't yeah, wonder. It's being loaded on. Yeah, like, oh, that's He's where like, the car came Pay attention from. to that car, car everybody, because they're going to leave stains on the seats. <laughs> and then then they run all, up onto the deck, all happy. And she's like, I've made a decision. I'm When we get to New York, I'm running away with you. And we're going to leave together. 
And he's like, oh, hey. This um, is the part of the movie where everything goes bad. This has been fun and all, but uh, you're moving way fast. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I mean, you know, nothing's supposed to stick during a a, a cruise line. You know that, right? (laughs) This is just until we get to New York and then I'm gone. What happens on Titanic stays on Titanic, Rose. That doesn't happen because the person that wrote this, he doesn't write people. He writes caricatures of people. And he's like, awesome. We will be in love forever and ever. (laughs) Our love is eternal and forever. I know that we've only known each other for maybe a little bit more than a day. And we've had sex once. And I'm pretty sure that was your first time. And it wasn't awkward (laughs) or weird. It was romantic and perfect. Like it always is, I guess. And now we're going to smooch and make out and distract the people who are supposed to be looking out for icebergs. We're going to forest... Which is what happens in this movie. We're going to forest gump the crashing of the Titanic into the iceberg. So they're making out, and the two guys who are supposed to be looking out for icebergs are up in the thing going, Oh, look at that. That's something we don't see every day, right? Two people kissing. Oh. <laughs> and right before they're about to pull their trousers down and masturbate, <laughs> one of them notices that they're running directly towards an iceberg. And uh, they do a bunch of engine stuff and turning the wheel and trying to avoid it. But, oh, they hit it. And it, and the hit takes forever. It's just like we cut to m- multiple people noticing that the ship is shuddering and there's a scraping and icebergs fall into the deck. The funny thing about this is is that Jack and Rose have been kissing this whole time. Yes. And I'm talking like seven minutes have elapsed. And by the time they notice that they've hit something, they're like three quarters of the way through the striking of the iceberg. And then they look up and they go, oh, that oh, well, this oh, isn't oh. good. Mm-hmm. And now we, we start... Movie two, because we're an hour and 40 minutes into this <sighs> yeah, movie. Just, now, let's, let's make a note of that. The movie called Titanic, about the sinking of the Titanic, it is an hour and 40 minutes, which is the length of quite a few entire movies. It's yep. an hour and 40 minutes until we get the fucking ship hitting the iceberg. So, mm-hmm. let's just note now, that for you'll the you'll forgive us this... From here on out, this is a mishmash of stuff that's interesting and a whole lot of stuff that I don't care about. Yeah. And we're going to hit head on into one of the main problems of this movie. Number one, if you're going to be concerned for Rose, you're an idiot. She's been narrating this movie the entire time. We know nothing happens to Rose. Rose is fine. Guess what? Rose lives to be 101 goddamn years old. She's just narrating everything up to this point. So, you know, everything that happens to Rose from this point forward doesn't mean anything because we know that she's gonna live. The person we're supposed to care about is Jack. And guess what? We don't. (laughs) We don't care about him at all. Or at least I well, didn't because the, at this I mean, point. the thing is, I mean, maybe, like we referenced earlier, maybe if you're 14 years old and this is your first movie, you know, you don't really see it coming. But for people who have seen a movie or two yeah. in their time and, and can mm-hmm. sort of read the tropes, you know what's happening to Jack. I mean, Jack's fate well, is not maybe. exactly in suspense either. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, the movie was, uh, was, propo- was literally um, proposed as, by Cameron himself... Romeo and Juliet on the Titanic. Literally, that's that was his pitch. 
<laughs> that so, was his Hail Mary pass when he realized he had no story and his pitch meeting was this morning. <laughs> He's like, please just give me money so I can get into the submersible without pants on and go to the Titanic. I mean, I, did I say uh, without Romeo pants Juliet. on? Oh, damn That's it. literature, right? That's, that's classical. It's like that, but on a boat. It sounds like you want to masturbate in a submersible while looking at the Titanic through a tiny no. window. No, I want totally want to make a movie. This story means a lot to me. Um, we've gone all the way back to the beginning <laughs> yeah. of our review no! again. <laughs> anyway, so we cut to uh, Anderson. Is his name Anderson? The guy who designed the boat? Andrews. Yeah. Andrews. And he breaks out his blueprints. And basically, remember that thing where the nerdy sidekick told us all about what happens? He comes out and he goes, hey, look, this is what's going to happen. So we've gotten it now four, what, four different times yeah. about how the boat's going to sink. Really, he comes out and he says, I was going to say, it, he says, yeah, hey, go ahead. wait, where are you? Well, no, you go. Say, it's, just, it's really a shame because, like, that's one of the few relatively good scenes in the movie, except that, yeah. except that we've, we, it, it's been drained of all of its meaning because all the information contained in that scene is shit we've already been told by the idiot exactly. douchebag sidekick scientist in the completely unnecessary frame story. So there's Victor mm-hmm. Garber playing Andrews fucking acting his heart, his heart out going, you know, Oh, I, I assure you, sir, she's made of iron. She can sink. And it's like, yeah, but oh, it's, it's just, you're wasting your time, man. <laughs> we already we know, know it's going to sink. Yeah. We know it's going to sink and we know how it sinks. You don't have to explain it to us with your cute little bl- bl- blueprint. Yeah, and it's like from the point of view that we're being told the story from. All you motherfuckers are dead anyway. Like, why do we care about any of this? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, before and Jack can get off the ship, Snidely Whiplash has decided <laughs> that he's come up with a dastardly plan to frame Jack for theft. So while they're trying to get everyone out of their staterooms and put on their life belts to go up on top of deck, he goes, I have something more important. Someone's broken into my room, and I've I've been robbed. Meanwhile, Lovejoy, his henchman, slips the eye of the thing, <laughs> the, bro, the, the kidney of the... The, the blue carbuncle. See... <laughs> the blue carbuckle, <laughs> the blue herring, blue herring yes. into 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 Jack's pocket, so that when Jack shows up at her stateroom and they're trying to get people to leave, he's like, "Aha! Look, it's in his pocket. That proves guilt." <laughs> so then they they chain him up onto a pipe and leave because oh, it turns out the Titanic's sinking. This is one of the problems I had with the movie was they kept cutting to away to a story that I did not care about. They, they're literally cutting away from the actual history, which was supposedly <laughs> supposed to be the whole point of this entire goddamn movie to follow the actions of two people that aren't real and I don't yeah. care about. But um, then everyone leaves and she's leaving and she's leaving with Snidely Whiplash and they're all trying to get onto the boats and... It's women and children first, and, uh, oh, hi, Mr. Anderson, what's going on? And I said, remember I, how I told you we cut corners on safety? Guess what? It's bitten us in the We're ass, fucked. and everyone's going <laughs> to die. And they're like, uh-oh. And then they all get on to one of the lifeboats, and Rose is like, no, you know what? I fell in love with a guy, like, yesterday, and I'm 17, 
and I have no real way of making decisions on my own, really. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm staying here to risk death for this boy that I know. Bye. And her mother's like, well, okay, bye. <laughs> and, I got my seat. And the, the boat's sinking, and we see water coming up, and Rose goes all the way down into the hull to find Jack, and she finds Jack, and water's coming in. You know, that super deadly poison water, that super awful cold water. <laughs> a thousand knives that water, at once. The, a thousand knives. We see them in this water all over the place. Like, all the they get completely submerged at one point. And I'm fairly certain when you become submerged in Arctic water, you pass out and die. But that's just me. Um, anyway, neither one of them are succumbing to hypothermia because apparently when Arctic water comes inside of a boat, it heats up. And it heats up enough so that they don't say it's cold. They're like, oh, it's so cold. They, no, yeah. nothing like that. It's not even frosty inside. Apparently, the magic boat warms up water as soon as it comes inside and it doesn't have any yeah. detrimental it's effect. Like when you, it's you like can... when you first get into a swimming pool. <laughs> so anyway she has to go and she has to get an axe and then she gets jack loose and then they uh well there's there's the, the the epic odyssey of trying to find a staircase that isn't that isn't right. locked by a that gate. isn't locked and closed yeah. because remember we have things in here we have some sort of social thing where rich people are bad and those poor people are getting locked below decks so all the poor people are locked below decks and they're not being allowed to leave and then they bust out and they get up to the surface up to the top deck and he's like Rose you gotta go and she's like I don't want to and she's like you gotta go and she's like I don't want to and she's like you gotta go (laughs) and then Snidely Whiplash shows up and he's like no Rose you gotta go I don't want to I'm not leaving without Jack don't worry Jack will come with me says Snidely Whiplash the liar who has been lying about everything and she's like, oh, okay. She hops on the boat and she's going down. And we have a really long, dramatic scene of seeing him as she's lowered down. She's just staring at him and things are in slow motion. And it's all bullshit anyway because then she hops off the boat. She jumps back onto the ship and runs up and she's like, I can't leave you. I don't want to leave you. I want to be here with you. Blah, blah, blah. And Billy uh, Billy Zane, Snidely Whiplash, whatever is real, Nick Cal Worthington. I have no <laughs> idea what his name Hockley. was goes, okay, that's it. I'm done. I'm going to shoot him. So he grabs Lovejoy's gun and starts chasing him around the boat, shooting at him. No one cares because now pandemonium is broken out because everyone's trying to get off the boat. And then they run back into chest-deep water, don't die of hypothermia or go into cardiac arrest, and (laughs) go back. Now they go back under the boat. They find a little boy who they pick yep. up, run down one corridor with, the boy gets taken away, and then the boy dies with <laughs> his father. Because James Cameron is like, fuck you. <laughs> you, you if you're still in the and, theater at this point, I've got you. So fuck yeah, you. Yeah, and now the boat's really filling up with water fast, and they're at a gate, and they can't get it open, and a porter runs by, and he's like, I'm not going to help you. Oh, now I am going to help you. Oh, I'm going to open it with this key. Oh, no, I dropped the key. Well, bye-bye. <laughs> and this is the scene where they literally, he dives under the water to get the keys so that he can unlock the gate. And the moment his head went underwater, he should have passed out. But nope. because this is magic warm water, he doesn't. He, and neither are his fingers frozen to the point where they're useless. And he manages to get the key in the log and they get up and now they're back up on deck. 
again and um stuff happens well isn't that i want this what is the, this is where i think because they, they go up and down so many times like they're 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 below mm-hmm. deck then they're up and then they go back down and they have to get back up and i think this is the their last time like back up is where they run into andrews for the last time because I think that yeah, is it? yeah, that is the last time where he's adjusting. Because Andrews clock has the, seen Rose three times range. since the the iceberg hit, and every time he's mm-hmm. told her, "Hey, get your life vest on and get the fuck off the ship." So, so yeah. like he's this is the third time, and he's like, oh, "What are you doing?" Like, no, he's not even mad. He's, he's been playing numb and can't he believe says, what's going he on. He says, "I, I wish I'd built you a stronger ship, Rose." And then she's like, "Well, bye." And she should have said, "Well, technically, you didn't. A whole lot of slave labor in in in, in Liverpool did. You barely paid him anything. How many people died making this ship? You son of a bitch! I hope you rot in hell. I hope you rot in hell. You damned us all, Andrews. You damned us all. <laughs> no, she just says, she says, Mister Andrews, because she talks to him like they're old friends, even though they've known each other for like two days, yeah. and they probably." had a converse for a total she of fell in love minutes. with someone that she's known for a total of 24 That's to 48 she hours just, and i don't yeah, know what she just, i guess do. she just has that kind of personality uh yeah mm-hmm. yeah she imprints on people you know um she says she <laughs> says mr andrews won't you at least make a try for it and he's like eh, nah so he kind of which by the way is dialogue stolen from, from another, another titanic, titanic movie, movie. i there's a lot of dialogue stolen from other Titanic yes, movies yes, in this movie. Is. So he says, no, I'm just going to stay here and look at this clock and then I guess die. So they're like, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> so then they get up onto the deck and now the boat is lifting up out of the water because the front end's filling up with water and then the captain dies in his... He dies. I, he, yeah, he's on the, I think he's on the bridge or something like... And there's a bunch of foo with Cal getting onto a boat by grabbing a kid and being a jerk, but he gets onto a lifeboat and escapes, and now all the lifeboats are gone or not usable, and um, because Jack apparently knows everything that's going on, he's like, we have to stay out of the water for as long as possible. And she doesn't say, you mean that water we were splashing around in inside the ship? Shut up, Rose, that was magic water, and it was warm. Water on the outside is is freezing cold, Remember that freezing cold knife water I was talking about earlier? Well, that's this water now. And she's like, okay. <laughs> so they go all the way to the stern of the ship. And uh, they stay there. And the, the end of the ship goes way up high in the air. And then the ship breaks in half. And it flops back down onto the water. Doesn't throw <laughs> Jack or her off for whatever reason. <laughs> Then the rest of the ship sinks, and then they go back up in the air again, and then they stand on top of the back, and he's like, okay, when we uh, hit this water, we should, for reals this time, go into shock and die, because (laughs) the suction's going to pull us way deep. Far deeper than we could possibly survive, but, you know, I have a feeling that the guy that's writing this movie is going to fudge a little bit on the science so that we survive (laughs) a little bit longer. And besides which, I know that you live because you live to be 101, Rose. So we got that going for us, right? And she's like, yes, Jack. And He's like, great, just kick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This free modern woman is basically like, if you say so, Jack. Whatever you say, I trust you, Jack. So the ship finally fucking sinks. <sighs> 
they get pulled under the water, they bop back up, there's thousands of people on the surface splashing around, freaking out. Jack manages to find some wood, and he throws her up on it. He can't get up onto the wood without capsizing it. He tells her, stay up on the wood. And she's like, okay. (laughs) And um, he dies. (gasps) She doesn't. She gets back on the boat. On another boat. Someone picks her up. No, I'm sorry. uh, She gets picked up in one of the lifeboats. Then she makes it on to the Calpurnia, the Cal Caligula, the the Carpathia, a ship that responded to the SOS. And then she goes to New York and she hides from Cal for a second because Cal's still looking for her. And um, she sees the Statue of Liberty. And then, oh, we're back! We're back to modern time, and we're back on the stupid pirate ship thing. The guys were looking for the treasure. And and everybody is... <laughs> no, it's not the end yet. Everybody's deeply moved by old Rose's story. They're all bummed. Yeah, they're they're bummed because of Rose's story. And they're story like, and... we're grave-robbing ghouls. <laughs> yeah, he's like, wow, I never thought of it like that before. I'm having a crisis. I'm having a real crisis. <laughs> good good thing then... the movie's not about me. And then uh, Rose, who turns out had the heart of the rectum, the, whatever it was, the heart of the the, the blue herring, yeah. this whole time, she she wanders out in her nightgown in um, Arctic temperatres, by the way, wanders out in her nightgown, this 101-year-old woman, no cane, no, cro- no, no walker, no wheelchair, nothing, in bare feet in Arctic <laughs> temperatures. She goes to the back of the ship, she steps up onto the railing, and she takes out the heart of the ocean. Uh, yeah, that's it. The heart of the ocean. Or the heart of the herring, or the blue herring, or whatever the fuck we're calling it. The MacGuffin. It. And she, the MacGuffin. The, <laughs> the blue, blue MacGuffin. And she throws it into the water for no apparent reason. No explanation as to why she held onto it for so long. <laughs> um, and threw it into the water. And then we see her in her stateroom, and she's either sleeping or dead. It doesn't really matter. And at the beginning of the movie, she explained that she needed to travel. She always has her pictures with her whenever she travels. She has to have all of her pictures. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. Pictures of her family and her children and grandchildren. (laughs) Nope. This narcissistic little bitch has pictures of herself. Lots of pictures of herself. I need pictures of myself wherever I travel. Pictures of her on a horse. Pictures of her flying an airplane. Pictures of her when she's an actress. But all of them are just pictures of fucking her. <laughs> How else could, could the filmmaker summarize her life after Titanic so efficiently with just one tracking shot? Right. She's just being thoughtful so... to the filmmakers. Depending on how you want to view the ending, she is either dreaming about going back to the Titanic where all the dead people are and meeting up with all the dead people, or she dies and heaven is all the dead people in Titanic. The end. Cue the worst Uh, song ever written ever. The final slap to the face of the discerning audience member. Here's a Celine Dion song. Here's your reward for sitting (laughs) through the last three hours and 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay, Steve. I So, <laughs> you better watch yourself. You better check yourself before you wiggity-wreck yourself, dude. How did you think... What did you think of Titanic? I'm going to be straight with you, Jason. 
I I did not care for it. I did not care for it very much at all. I mean, look, there are parts of it, as you alluded to during the plot summary, there are parts of it that are technically very well done. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. it's a it's an incredibly well made film for the most part. Yeah, there are is. even parts of it uh, that I would say are are pretty well directed. But then there, uh-huh. but then there are so many, very many more parts that are abysmally directed. And I mean, mm-hmm. and one of the many Oscars that this movie won was Best Director. And at the time when when the movie first won all the Oscars, I thought, well, yeah, the Best Director Oscar is deserved. This was a well directed film. Now that I see it again, I I just don't mm-hmm. get that at all. I don't think this is a very well directed movie at all, except in no. except in certain scenes. There are isolated parts that I think are pretty well done, but overall, not a well directed movie at all. And even worse than that, even more more key to what makes this for me such a bad movie, one of the worst written movie. It's mm-hmm. the screenplay to this. Lazily, sloppily, so bad. Written. Not just lazily and sloppily, because that I'm totally with you on that. I agree completely. There, he doesn't miss a single fucking trope in this whole thing. Like, there's nope. But there are also writing decisions that Cameron makes that are just baffling to me. Like, mm-hmm. why does the character of Cal, the Billy Zane character, survive the Titanic? And then we're told after the fact by old Rose that he kills himself after the stock market crash. What is the fucking point of that? Either kill the guy to give the audience like a catharsis, like all the villain died in the end, or have him live to make a point about, you know, the the type of people that survived versus the type of people. I can explain that. I can explain it quite readily, actually. I can explain that. It all leads back to the original reason as to why this movie was made. Okay. I'm not joking. He wanted money so that he could go down and look at Titanic because that is something that he loved to do. That Everyone knows that he is an underwater freakazoid. The next Avatar apparently is going to be all about underwater somehow. I can't wait. I I could wait forever for that movie. I can't wait. Not... Um, but the problem with that is is that he did all of this modern footage of the Titanic underwater, and then he had to tie it into a actual movie that he was making. So he started with, okay, so um, we're going to have these treasure guys looking for treasure. And now I've got to be able to tell the story about the actual Titanic sinking somehow. Oh, they find someone who's alive. Right. I guess a really old person, like who's like a hundred and one. That doesn't stretch credulity. Um, and we've got to have a reason why they're looking for a treasure. Oh, I'll make up a treasure that they're looking for, and she's connected to it somehow. But how come no one knew about her before? Oh, she's been living in hiding. Why has she been living in hiding? Because the dude that she was supposed to marry was probably never going to stop looking for her unless she changed her name and hid. There you go. That's yeah, the but, reason why he's but, alive. But then at the she end. says that he kills himself after the in nineteen twenty nine. So, uh huh. But by that point, she had already gotten married yeah, by to just, someone else. I, right? I just, uh, it's just. I, I just. It, it it makes no sense to me. I, I feel like the 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 resolution for that character could have either been kill him so we feel good watching him die because he's such a bastard, or let him live to make a point. 
you know, and this way it's like you don't get either one of those. It's yeah, he survives the sinking, nope. but oh, he died some years later off screen. Well, what the fuck's the point of that? Mm-hmm. There's another thing too, which is um, I mentioned earlier how that 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 scene with Andrews explaining to the crew that the ship's totally gonna sink is actually a really well-played scene, but it means nothing yeah. because it's telling us stuff we've already literally been told like an hour ago. So mm-hmm. why, you know, mm-hmm. um, but there's also, there's another instance of that that I think is even worse. It's when the we get two scenes, for some reason, we get two scenes of Jack and Rose having to get their, you know, break through one of those gates over the the stairs and the first and the first right. time that happens that's actually a pretty good scene because they make it to the top mm-hmm. and the, the the porter is like i'm not letting you poor people out you're you go back down the third class and the poor people actually pick up a big fucking bench and they crash through mm-hmm. the gate and make and and get out and i'm like well that that works yeah. that, you know if, if you want to say well part of this movie is about the you know the lower class and the upper class which i don't think that's what the movie's about at all i don't think the movie gives a shit about nope that. but if you want to say that well that's a pretty good scene for that theme you know and it's and it gives jack and rose some agency they escape through 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 their own force and their own initiative and then for some reason that scene is completely undercut when jack and rose find themselves in the exact same situation like 45 minutes later and instead of doing something on their own to get out they're begging another character to let them out so why, why are we even why is this scene even here why is this scene even here? Why did you show Jack and Rose, you know, banding together with the the, the steerage passengers to break free if they're just going to get trapped again and have to beg to get out? Right. Because the script yeah, said so. And, and there's one more thing. I'll say one more thing about the script. There, are, This movie is so fucking long. And... and <laughs> and I have and no. I have nothing against movies that need to be long, right? I mean, I, some of my mm-hmm. favorite, like fucking Godfather Part Two, goes on forever, right? But I like that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Magnolia, one of my favorite movies, is like three hours long. I don't feel like that's too long. But for this movie, there are scenes in this movie where it feels like James Cameron is extending the the running time of the movie on purpose. Yeah, the oh. opening and the beginning of this film. Does not matter. Means nothing. Does not matter at all. At all. It's there because he had to put it in to justify the footage that he shot. The underwater stuff. And even even when we're on the boat and we're in the main story, there are scenes that, I mean, like the the scene where Rose comes back with the axe to free Jack. And it's like, okay, now we're, mm-hmm. now, now we're moving, you know, like Rose has got the axe. She's been wading through the water. She's like, she's here mm-hmm. now. Okay. Time to break Jack loose. And then Jack says, wait, stop, take a few practice swings. Like what, the, what the fuck? <laughs> no, that, there, now, there goes the momentum from that. Like, what are we, what are we, mm-hmm. what, this movie's three hours long. What are we doing fucking around here? No, she's in a hurry. The fucking boat is sinking. Chop his fucking handcuffs off and let's get the show on the road. I mean, there, and there are, and there exactly. are many scenes like that where it just feels like he's just throwing in extra stuff that doesn't need to be there. That means nothing. And all it does is add to the running time. It does nothing for the story. Mm-hmm. All it does is add to the running time. Yeah, uh, the story that is hackneyed and tired and overplayed and every trope that you can possibly imagine. Rich boy falls, uh, I'm sorry, poor boy falls in love with rich girl. Upper classes don't like lower classes. Uh, basically, Hubris. I mean, yeah. It's, it's sold as an epic romantic love story. And boy, does it play out beat for beat for that. Yeah. And... 
once once you get it, once you understand, oh, this is that trope. I wonder if they're going to take this somewhere different. Nope. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. And once you understand that, you there's no point in seeing any more of the movie. You know that the ship sinks. You know that all these people die. You know that something's going to happen to the couple. You know that Rose is still alive. At some point in the movie, I I was like, why why even continue watching this? Yeah, well, I... they pretty much explained everything at the beginning. Yeah, she says at the beginning, "Oh, I changed my name after I got off the ship," and you know, but yeah. So there, <laughs> so that, there there's go. that mystery solved. There's the ending of the movie right there at the beginning of the film. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, and I mean, we mentioned during the, the, the plot summary about, yeah, you know, the, the, how difficult it is to believe that these two characters, Jack and Rose would, would grow so devoted to each other in the space of a couple of days where they'd be willing to, you know, die for each other. And, and that, that is, that does strain the limits of believability. But, but the worst part about that for me, isn't that because if the movie was really about that, I would be willing to accept mm-hmm. it because I would say, you know what? It's just melodrama. It's just fucking romantic mm-hmm. melodrama. And these are some of the conventions of this genre. So whatever. The problem is that the movie's not about that. The movie's not really about anything. It, it wants to be about mm-hmm. this doomed romance on the Titanic. It also wants to be about the actual his- dramatizing, the actual historical events of the sinking. It also mm-hmm. wants to be about this salvage operation and this bullshit with the necklace as though the sinking of the actual Titanic isn't compelling enough. We have to find out. No one cares about no. the necklace. No one cares. And yet, There's no, no one cares about it. I mean, Cal wants it because I guess it's expensive, but she doesn't give a damn about the necklace, which doesn't explain why she held on to it for so goddamn no. long. And if she, if she, and, and we, we see in one of the last scenes of Young Rose, she finds that necklace in her pocket, like, you know, while she's on the rescue boat. And, okay, mm-hmm. so she's, she's, she's changing her whole identity, right? She's not gonna, she's hiding from her fiance. Presumably she's gonna hide from her mother as well. She's gonna completely start over. Wouldn't the first thing she would want to do is fucking hawk that million dollar necklace? But she holds right. on to it for like eighty years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's like the the movie just it makes. I I I was ranting a minute ago about how the some of the choices that the screenplay makes really baffle me. The other thing that baffles me about it is to the extent to which Cameron doesn't make choices. He he's not willing yeah. to choose what this movie is about. He says no, it's going to mm-hmm. be about all of these things, and 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 therefore mm-hmm. it's not really about any of those things. Right, because he can't pick. He can't pick what it what it's going to be about. Yeah, he just can't. He just refuses to decide. Ultimately, it's supposed to be a romance, and the romance part of it is the most boring part of this entire damn movie. Yeah. <laughs> you don't believe that the leads even like each other, much less are in love yeah. with each other. The, their dialogue is awful, and delivered poorly. And it seemed like he was concentrating more on recreating the Titanic than recreating people. <laughs> Yeah, you never get a sense that that they have any kind of real chemistry. Uh, yeah. I mean, even even in that uh, the drawing scene, which is one of the most sort of celebrated scenes in the movie, where you know we, we, they even cut back to old Rose singing. It was the most erotic moment of my life. Didn't need to see that old woman and, say that and, line. And ever. the scene itself really isn't all that erotic. 
I mean, Kate no. Winslet is beautiful, right? She's laying there naked on a couch. Okay, I. But it's like okay. But then mm-hmm. they just we cut. We keep cutting back. To, okay, he's drawing her. He's drawing her. He's looking at her. He's drawing her. She's still laying there. He's mm-hmm. drawing her some more. Like what the fuck? Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, okay, it's a beautiful naked lady, but uh, she's just laying there and he's drawing <laughs> her. And what the fuck is so erotic about this? I, you know. Uh, so yes. Steve, um. Would you recommend Titanic? No, I will not recommend it. I will not <laughs> recommend it. I will. I usually for movies like this, I'll give like a guarded, reluctant recommendation where I'll say, "Yeah, when you see it for historical value, or see it so you'll get the references." No, you know what? Titanic mm. has gotten enough of people's money. Okay, yeah. James Cameron, who is a talented filmmaker in certain circumstances, has gotten enough of your money from fucking Titanic. If you have not seen it for some reason, I am not recommending that you see it. There are far better Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet performances that you can entertain yourself with. There are far better movies that James Cameron has made, all of them before this movie. Uh yeah. No, there's no reason to see this fucking... And there, there are even better movies, way better movies, about the sinking of the Titanic. One of which I'm going to talk about in a second when we get to recommendations. But, uh, uh, oh, good. But, yeah, that's you do not need to see this movie. Yeah, I'm not going to recommend it either. So there. So there, James Cameron. How dare you... F- how dare you try to foist your masturbatory material on us and pretend like it's a real movie. Oh, I'm so angry. Actually, that's my tooth talking. Oh, no, it's not. Actually, it's the moon. Yeah, fuck the movie. Fuck it. Fuck this movie. Fuck it! (sighs) All right, Steve, hurry up and recommend a good movie. Well, as I I said, uh, there are much better Titanic-based movies, and for my money, the best movie ever made about the Titanic is A Night to Remember. Um, Yeah. It was made in 1958. It's a British film. Um, It's... It doesn't really have any major stars in it, but it was shot by the legendary cinematographer Jeffrey Unsworth, uh, who also worked on Superman and 2001 A Space Odyssey and is just a brilliant uh, camera operator, cinematographer, uh, director of photography. And he does a really good job with this movie. This, unlike Cameron's Titanic, this movie is focused pretty much just on dramatizing the historical events. Um, it's much more of a docudrama. It doesn't really try to have a single story from point A to point B. It just sort of cuts back and forth between different occurrences on the ship. It also shows us what happens on some of the other ships that were near Titanic that night that could have helped to rescue people but didn't for various reasons. Um, And most importantly, when we're talking about comparing A Night to Remember to Titanic, A Night to Remember, two hours long. Two hours long. Just about the sinking of the Titanic. No bullshit frame story. No bullshit made-up, tepid, boring romance. Uh, It is by no stretch of the imagination a great film or a legendary film. uh, The caliber of... Poorly named. Yeah, poorly named. But in in, in the subgenre of movies about the Titanic, I think it is just about the best that we have ever gotten. So I highly recommend, especially in comparison to Titanic, I highly recommend A Night to Remember. Okay, and uh, what I'm going to re-recommend instead of Titanic is any movie. <laughs> Anyone. Reach into a fucking bag and pull out any movie. I hope you pull out uh, Dorf Teaches <sighs> Golf. That's better than this movie. You can pull out anything, a Care Bears movie, and you'd be better entertained. At least make it fun of the damn thing than, t- than Titanic. In all honesty, if I was going to watch a, a movie about a ship... 
and 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 hijinks and fire and escape. The Poseidon Adventure That's, is yeah. good, and it's got Gene Hackman in it. I like that movie. The whole ship turns upside down, and people drown. Irwin Allen, that Titanic, nineteen seventies. Yeah, why don't you go watch? Go watch a Poseidon Adventure, not the remake, which was just called, I think, yeah, Poseidon. To confuse people, thinking it would be about the god, I guess. <laughs> go see Poseidon Adventure. That's what I'm saying. That's my recommendation. I'm not going to go on a big spiel about how good it is. It's fun adventure, popcorn munchy. You don't have to get too over involved, and you get to watch Shelley Winters die. And um. Yeah, that's it. So, what do you guys think? You think we're full of shit? You're not going to listen to us anymore because we hated one of your favorite movies? You're like, I watched that when I was a kid and I loved Titanic. If you haven't seen Titanic in a little while, maybe you should uh, Maybe you should see it. Try to, try to, maybe, try to maybe, see a, f- a copy yeah. for free. Borrow it from one of your friends. <laughs> but uh, if there's a movie that you want us to review in the future, then uh, why don't you go to the Let Me Listen Podcast website, which we have now at uh, lemmelistenpodcast.com. Go to the contact section and send us an email telling us, Hey, jerks, we're tired of you tearing apart classic films that you hate. Is there anything you like? Here, try this one. Maybe you'll like this, and maybe we will. I don't know. It's possible. I'm getting jaded, dude. I'm getting real jaded. I was really kind of hoping Titanic wasn't as bad as I remember, and it was worse. I cut it a lot of slack almost 20 years ago, and now... Now it's come back to kill your soul. Yeah, and punch me in the tooth. Anyway, uh, that's it. So, uh, until next time, this has been Jason Arding. And don't you do your catchphrase here? Oh. No, you do your... Oh, say your and, name. And Steve Shives. And go see a movie this week! And Jason, I want... No, no, do you, yeah. I want you to promise me. I want you to promise me that you're going to survive. And that you're going to never nope. let go. <laughs> no. I'm letting no. go now. Bye, Rose. You were terrible in the sack. I'm going to die now. <laughs> Man, that's some cold-blooded <laughs> shit to leave somebody with, isn't it? Cold-blooded, get it, because I'm dying of hypothermia. Ooh, it's so cold. <laughs> All right, bye, bye everybody. everybody. Late Seating is a Lemmy Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Music by Kevin McLeod. Produced by Jason Harding. You can find more Lemmy Listen podcasts at our website at www.lemmylistenpodcasts.com. You can also find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes under Lemmy Listen. Please like and leave a review. And thanks for listening. <laughs>